if we we kind of have a running definition of church through the series and our running definition is that the church really is the body of Christ. It's the people, and it's the people who love Jesus, and it's the people that follow the teachings of Jesus. And so if that's going to be our running definition of what church is, then I think um, there's a question that we need to ask, and that's the question that's really going to kind of drive us today, especially when we're in a day and age where we have YouTube, and we have podcasts, and we can get a lot of like good teaching um, just kind of wherever we are. The question we're going to ask today is, what is the value of gathering together um, regularly as a church community. So we have uh, chosen a specific passage uh, from the book of Luke in the New Testament that we feel like kind of gives us some insight into answering this question directly through some of the teachings of Jesus, uh, which we believe is critical. If we're going to try to follow him, we need to know what he said. So we're going to read through a decent chunk of scripture. This might be a familiar passage for some of you that have grown up in church. Um, or even just people uh, kind of in our society, this story kind of gets thrown around. So I challenge you as I read this scripture to listen with new ears and, and hopefully there's something new um, or a, a reminder that we can gather from this morning. So I'm going to be reading from Luke uh, chapter 10 verses 25 through 37. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked. What must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Yeah, so, so this might seem like it doesn't really make sense for what the question we're trying to answer is today, which, which is, why should, we, why should we continue to meet together regularly as the body of Christ, as believers in Jesus, or people who want to follow Jesus? But there's actually a lot of insights as we were going through this week, Katie and I, that there are some insights that we think are really important and can shed some light onto why it is important maybe for us to keep gathering um, as a community of people who want to follow Jesus. And so we kind of, we kind of found four things that we want to explore today um, from this story. And the first one is that um, the, teachings, the teachings of Jesus aren't always super clear. 
when we look deeply into this story, there's some things that, from the surface, you can kind of like see it as, as one way, but when you really look into the story itself, there's a lot of things that sort of jump out. And so it's not always exactly clear. And so one reason that we feel like it might be important to continue to meet together as people who want to follow Jesus is to really explore the teachings of Jesus together because of the fact that they're not always clear. And to have a space where it's safe to just wrestle with some of these things and ask some questions. Because I think we've both been in situations before where we're at places where you're either not allowed to ask questions or asking questions is frowned upon. Um, and so that, I feel like that this story brings us into that a little bit, yeah? Yeah, and I think sometimes too, when we ask questions, we're given uh, kind of pat answers or like an easy answer that we're supposed to just accept. And so even if there's a place that might say they welcome questions, you have to um, accept a certain answer and there's not always room um, to explore different interpretations. Um, and I think Matt and I both in our own journeys have just learned so much about um, all the work that really goes into trying to understand is a simple story like this. And I think, like I said in the beginning, a lot of us know this story as the Good Samaritan and we kind of think it means you're supposed to be nice to people. But as we've studied more and as we've learned uh, through, throughout studying the scripture, there's a lot more to it. And so I think it's really important that we gather together because then we hear from different perspectives and things that we may have thought um, can be challenged and corrected. And we need to gather together with other people to do that. Yeah, and I think that one thing that we found in this story um, that kind of goes along those lines is the fact that when I grew up hearing this story, I always thought of the priest and the Levite just as like punks, you know, like, like they're just mean. Like, why wouldn't you stop? There's this person that's really hurt on the side of the road and you're just walking by. So then for me, the whole story is just don't be a punk. And I'm like, well, of course, I'm not going to like, who, who would walk by, you know? So I'm like, yeah, that story's good. It teaches me not to be mean <laughs> or to be nice, but there's got to be something more to it. And it wasn't until I was older that, you know, and doing some more research and, and looking deeper into scripture that you realize that, well, for one, the priest walks by because there's a Levitical code that says he can't be around a dead corpse. And so he's not just being mean and just walking by because he's in a hurry. He knows that being in vicinity or being near that, if, if, that, if that person is dead, then he's going to be ceremonially unclean. And that, that could mean a lot of things for him, right? It would have consequences for him personally, um, but then there, there's regulations around his ability to do his job as a priest. And it would impact him, it would impact the people that he was serving. Um, and so he was actually doing what God had told him to do. And so again, we realized he was following the rules, like I talked about last week, that were laid out. It wasn't just that he was trying to be mean or rude. He was actually, even if he had compassion, he was conflicted and he chose to follow the regulations that, that were his responsibility and were part of his job. Yeah, and it's the same with the, with the Levite. Um, it's, a Levite is someone who basically their identity is caught up in following the rules. And so if you were a good Jew and you were a good Levite in this case, then you too would not want to be near the uncleanliness of a dead body or a corpse because then you're not following the rules. And if your identity is within following the rules and making sure that you are clean and that you are able to present yourself in a certain way, then of course he's going to walk by. And you know, who knows what his heart was feeling at that time. I'm sure there was like, oh man, I wish I could help or something like that. But he just knew because of the way he, was, he had been taught, he can't help. Um, and so what Jesus does in the story that I think we often miss, or maybe, maybe no one did, maybe I just missed it, I don't know. Um, but what I have missed in this story is that 
Jesus is telling them, your rules, the rules, the law, that's great. It's good you're following them, but the well-being of someone else, someone else's life, is more important than following. In this case, that supersedes the rules. And we've seen that a lot. I remember when we did our Matthew series, like maybe two years ago or whatever it was, where Jesus said a lot of times, you have heard it said, but I say. Where he's like, he's not throwing out the law. He just says, I'm going to fulfill the law. There are, there are these rules in place for a purpose, but at some point, you were supposed to go straight and you took a left turn. And so you're following the rules literally, but you're missing the spirit of what the rules were put in place for. This man on the side of the road is suffering, and if you were actually following the teachings of loving your neighbor, then you would go help him no matter what, even if it meant that you would be ceremonially unclean. Yeah, and I think we just see, as Matt said, Jesus brought such a, a radical new way of understanding and therefore living out the law. And I think that that, that is relevant for us today, um, especially, obviously, it's fresh in my mind still, as I shared last week, that in these, religi- these communities of faith that we are in, we sometimes can get caught up in this is what we're supposed to do, or this is how I'm supposed to look, or I don't want people to think certain things of me. And this story challenges us to, to look at those things and think, what is Jesus calling us to do? And I think that a lot of churches and a lot of communities, um, I don't know, because I don't know the hearts of people, but it seems like they could try to avoid teaching even a version like this of the story, because it would give people room to challenge lists or set expectations, um, because it it would allow that, like, wait, but what does it really mean? And we might not want to stick with what we've always been told we need to do. Yeah, and and just kind of to wrap up this point, you think about and it's inevitable, it's, it's human nature when someone gets too much power in any situation. But you think especially in the context of the church and the, U, the United States church, like really more specifically, is that someone might be in a position of power and, and doing a certain act that would love your neighbor, um, it might jeopardize that power in some way. And so you could look at this story and skip that whole part about the Levite and the priest, you know, following the rules. Um, and just say it is a story about being nice, because then maybe you would have an excuse to not, do, to not do what we're called to do by Jesus, because it might threaten one's power or one's position or things like that. Um, and so I think that's why a healthy community of Jesus followers discussing these things is really important, so we can hear different perspectives, and we can see the, the different ways that people interpret Scripture and see it. And I'm, I'm so grateful that I was able to see this in a new way, because it, it adds a really— it adds a lot to, to my understanding of it. So, so yeah, I think that's one reason that um, gathering could still be super valuable for us is to explore the teachings of Jesus in a little bit of a deeper way and hear different perspectives. Um, a second uh, reason that we maybe get from this story of why gathering as a community is important is because perhaps a healthy church community is a place where we can go to to be encouraged and to be cared for. Because um, we need a place I feel like, as Jesus followers, where we can be supported, and we can be encouraged, and we can be affirmed, because following Jesus is often uncomfortable. It can be unpopular. It can lead to confrontation. And if we don't have a space that's set aside where we can actually get together with other people who are walking this walk, just as the early church got together with people who were walking this radical new way of living, um, I think that's something that's not only healthy, but maybe it's something we really need as well. And I think I think it's important. Um, I think Matt and I both feel this way that I think it can be, we need to be careful because I think sometimes the church 
we, we say following Jesus is hard and uncomfortable, but we say it's that way in, in the wrong way. Like um, we claim that our beliefs are, are um, we're persecuted for what we believe in or these things that are so dear to us are being um, taken away. And, and I'm, I'm, I don't want to minimize that. There are places in the world where people are being uh, horribly persecuted for following Jesus. But, but I believe here in the United States, um, we often say the things that make following Jesus uncomfortable are not the things that Jesus said should make us uncomfortable. Um, and I think we see this in the story. Uh, the priest and the Levite are not the hero of the story. They are not the one that Jesus says is the neighbor. Um, it's a Samaritan. And we'll get into that a little bit later this morning. But this, we cannot overstate um, the effect that would have had on the listeners uh, that Jesus was speaking to, that the Samaritan was the example. Samaritans were hated by Jews. They had all these semi-legitimate reasons that they were not worthy. And Jesus lifts that person up to be the example. And so I think the way that, that following Jesus should be uncomfortable and unpopular is that it challenges what we think. It challenges what makes us comfortable. It challenges what keeps us safe. Um, and we need to be around other people that can support us in that and say it's hard, but you're doing it. You're trying. We're here with you. Um, and I just think sometimes as the church, um, we say things are hard when they're not, and we miss the things that Jesus actually calls us to live into that are hard. Yeah. And I think that one thing that we wanted to stress this morning too was that a context or a community, um, a, a, a place where you can go on a Sunday morning at church service, if it's operating in a healthy way with people who really do follow Jesus and, and love Jesus, then that can be such a beneficial place to be able to be encouraged and to have some of the support system, of the support system. But also, it, we know too that that's uncomfortable for some people. And because it's uncomfortable for some people that um, you don't always find that at any church community. I think we're really blessed here at One Life. I think that this is a spot where I can come and be encouraged by people who are really trying to walk that walk. But for other people, man, it's, it's meeting with Jesus followers on your patio together and having dinner. I mean, that's a way that you can be supported and encouraged. Um, it's gathering in different contexts. If you're at the beach, you're watching your kids with another couple, you know, other people are watching their kids. You're with your friends um, after school, whatever it is. There are places to be encouraged and to gather. And so I think when we think about the definition of church, I grew up thinking that church was a building and that church is a place I went to. And for me, frankly, on Sunday mornings, it's not something I was excited about. It was something that, ah, uh, it was a drag. I got to go to church again because I was at church like many times per week. And so um, understanding that the church is the people that are following Jesus, the people who love Jesus and are really trying to live out this radically different type of lifestyle, understanding that and then being able to gather with people who are, who are living some of these same things and feeling some of these same things and trying to be a good neighbor when being a good neighbor is really hard. Having that support is one reason why um, having a place to be encouraged and cared for and affirmed is so important because I don't think, for me personally, I don't think I could keep running this race and doing the things that Jesus is asking me to do that are really countercultural without some form of support. Um, and so another thing that we found from the story, kind of a, a third takeaway, is that meeting together um, in a healthy church community, it's one space where eternal life can be experienced or where eternal life could be experienced. And I know that's like, for some people, that's like, a, <gasps> what are you talking about? You know, like, do you not understand eternal life? But remember, the, the lawyer who asked the question, his first question is, 
something about how do I inherit eternal life? That was the question. And so I think that for most of my life, I assumed that eternal life was only something that was after you died. Eternal life was heaven, right? This is something that really perplexed me for a long time. So I've done a lot of kind of reading、um, from different perspectives about this. And one thing I have found is that in Jewish culture, that time was broken down into two segments. There was the current age, where you're living right now, the way things are now. And then there's the age to come, which is something later that didn't necessarily mean death. It was just another age. When Jesus came as Messiah, and when people were seeing him as the Messiah, in the, you know,、um, Towards the, the beginning of his ministry and, and things like this, when he's doing you know, miraculous signs and things like this, and people are like, hmm, this could be the Messiah we've been waiting for. Actually, a lot of people were saying that this is the ushering in of the age to come. And so they hadn't died, they were still there, and the age to come was making its way through. And when Jesus proclaims the gospel, the Evangelion, the gospel he's, crea- he's, he's proclaiming is that the kingdom of God is at hand, it's here, and it's here now. And so, if we think about eternal life that way, as a quality of life that could be experienced, and the quality of life is actually the quality of life of the age to come, which is going to be great, and we can experience it now, then that is kind of how we have to shift, or how I've shifted my thinking of eternal life and coming to a place where there's other people around to support me and affirm me, as we talked about in the last、um, point, then that is experiencing eternal life. And this kind of life. Um, and wholeness comes primarily through community and through the relational wholeness that God wants us to experience.、Uh, we can be healthy people、uh, by ourselves, but it's a lot more work. And, and sometimes it's even hard to know if we're healthy when we're just isolated. And I think so many of us, especially in the last couple years、uh, with, with COVID and what that all brought. Had this experience of, of trying to do stuff on our own or void of a lot of the supports that we had. And I think for me, it was such a great reminder that there is value in coming together for these reasons that we've said. And because we start to experience the kingdom here and now, that wholeness that God desires for us happens in this community through encouraging each other to live this out. That is what Jesus came to do is to bring this life and to. Have the people that were touched by him bring others into that kingdom and into that life. And so we see when the man asks, How do I inherit eternal life? Jesus does not tell him, which he does talk about in some ways in other parts, but this is about loving God and loving neighbor, taking action to bring justice, to bring wholeness to people now. And I think that that is something that when churches are healthy, as we've talked about, When places of coming together as a group, we can do that. And we do think that the formal church can do that when it's healthy, when the leadership is, is really following Jesus and is humble.、Um, and as, as we've said, and as we'll say again, it's not the only place, but we do think it can be a value that we can experience this kingdom and this eternal life starting now. Yeah. And we're, you know, one thing we want to stress today, and I hope, I hope that it's coming across that way, is that. When we talk of the church doing these things, we're, you know, we're speaking of a healthy, a healthy community that's really following Jesus that has no you know, other motive. It's not a political motive, it's not a financial motive, it's just people who want to come together to live the way that Jesus taught. 
much like the early church did. And one, one last point about that, too, is when you look throughout the scriptures, there's so much of it that's communal. I think in the West, we've made it so individual that it's just about me, and it's just about me getting to heaven. And once I've done that, maybe I can help someone else get to heaven. But a lot of the things, when we even go back to the Levitical code and things that people are trying to follow in the Old Testament, it had to do with the community. How is the community reacting towards others? How is the, is the community being welcoming? Um, and, and, and all of these things, I, I, I just think that's something that to keep in mind, too. We made it so individual, but um, having this, this place to meet. And, and again, there's some people that aren't in that place right now, and that's totally okay. But if, if you had the space where there were people who were super supportive and following Jesus, being in that space would be, at, we, we believe, would be a really helpful thing. Um, and then finally, we have kind of our, our last point that comes from the story of the Good Samaritan, is that a church that's operating, a church community operating in a healthy way, following Jesus— it's a place to belong, and it's a place to feel welcome, no matter who we are. Um, Katie, when we were talking um, this week, Katie had this great uh, line, and she said that this could be someone where everyone's invited. Whoever you think it's not them, it's them. <laughs> Can you like just explain that a yeah, little bit? Yeah, I think, as I said earlier this morning already, we cannot overemphasize the power of the, the Samaritan in this story. I think we often, this story is told, as, as we said, just like, be nice, don't, don't be a jerk, and don't be so busy, like, be inconvenient, like, sometimes helping people is hard, and you need to take time and money, and those things are true, but Jesus could have told this story with any characters. He could have just said a man was walking, got robbed, th- two people walked by him, and the third person stopped, be like the third person, but he doesn't. He, sp- he picks specific characters, as Matt already explained, the significance of the priest and the Levite, And the Samaritan um, is the person that the people would think is the farthest from the kingdom, is the the farthest example. So as I think about this, I just think it's so easy for us to, again, simplify this story to the point of we need to stop and not be too busy and help people. But Jesus is challenging us that the hero of this story, the one who knows how to be the neighbor, is the one that the Jewish listeners would have thought is the farthest from God's kingdom. So personally, uh, for me and for us as people who are trying to follow Jesus, we need to constantly be assessing who am I othering? Who am I putting out? Who am I having my biases and my preconceived ideas about that I think they are too far from God or they are the ones that we need to shelter our kids from or, or not be around? But Jesus is actually challenging us that those people have just as much potential to enter the kingdom of God and to show that love. And in some ways, I think he's showing them, like, you think you're great by following this law and by knowing it, but I'm turning the whole thing upside down by the story. It would be, like, scandalous when that part of the story was revealed. And so I think we want to just bring that into our current context and say we need people to feel welcome and we need to challenge the, the biases and the stereotypes and the fears that we have and the judgments that we have um, because that's what Jesus did in this story. And I think that often our churches are places where people don't feel comfortable and don't feel free to, as we said, question or to be figuring things out in different ways. And if those people, if us, if we can't come to a church where people are claiming to follow Jesus and feel safe and heard and be known, um, I think we're, we're missing the point of who Jesus is and what he calls his people to be. Yeah. And we're, 
especially in our culture, we're so good at the us versus them thing. Um, and it, it goes really deep, and you could take that in a lot of different directions. But um, I even think about myself, who I've had to do a 180 in my life about <laughs> the us versus them narrative and to repent of a lot of things. And even on this side of that, where I think like, oh my gosh, I'm being so inclusive and I'm being you know, so welcoming. But then there's also that side of me that's like, now I look at the people who um, who live in that space of exclusion, and then in my mind, they're the, they're the them now, you know? So it's just like, it's something we have to constantly keep working through and keep working on, and there have been people in our community that have really helped me with that as well, um, to understand that part of my bias and to see that, um, to be more of like a welcoming, truly a more welcoming person, right? Um, and so as we, as we sort of like kind of close this time out, and we kind of revisit the question, which... Um, the question was, why, why should we continue to gather, right? Why, why is it important for us as a community to regularly gather together? Um, or why could it be important? And I think it's, it's, for, it's for these reasons we talked about, to challenge our preconceived notions, um, to keep learning, to learn from one another, to ask the tough, even sometimes what seem like unanswerable questions. I love that you said that last week, Katie, that it'd be, greater if you, it'd be great if you left with more questions than what you came in with, or more questions than answers, because that's kind of the point. Um, even, even Jesus said, like, you're not, sometimes you're just not going to get it. People aren't going to get it. You're going to have to work for it. Um, and that's one of the benefits we have from being in a community, especially where we have a diverse group of teachers, right? Like different people who bring different perspectives. And we're able to talk about that and talk about it comfortably. In fact, last week, someone in our community after the service came up to me and just kind of questioned something that I had said in the first message from this series, and not in a confrontational way, but it was just like, hey, I kind of disagree with this, like, let, and we had a great conversation. And you know what? I was, I was really glad that I'm in a space at One Life City here where we could have that conversation, we could express maybe, like, different views, um, but have, like, a real conversation about it, and at the end, like, you know, hug and shake hands and, like, keep talking, and it's fine, it's okay, and I never knew in my upbringing that that was okay. And I think part of the reason why that's so important um, is because the, the point of following Jesus, this, this loving God and loving others, being loved, being known, it's about seeking Jesus. It's about knowing him. And I think even, I think for me, I, as I shared last week, I can get caught up in wanting to know the answers and wanting to have certainty and wanting to know how to act uh, correctly. And I think that is important. I think God wants to give us security and peace and have us do things to bring in the kingdom. But I think above all, he wants us to seek him and to know him. God is, is the source of all these things that we're talking about. And those questions aren't to just say like, we'll never know anything and like life's uncomfortable and like good luck. But it's that like in that seeking, we find God, we find his heart. And that was something I feel like I wish I would have uh, been told more growing up is like, it's not about the answer, Katie. It's about the process. And I'm sure people tried to tell me that, but I was so set on, I need to know the answer instead of I need to know and be known by this God. And then I will be able to, to have the peace that I'm seeking and live out the things that he's calling me to. Um, and so I think that we can experience that in a healthy church. And, and there are other places where we can experience that. Um, but the church is one, one of them. And, that, yeah, and that's what we're trying to say, right, is a healthy church is one, one place where this could happen. And it is cool if you can find a spot that, that really does want to really, you know, jump into this following Jesus thing um, and being able to have a set time to meet every week. I've, yeah, that, that could be great. And I think, 
I'm, I'm appreciative of our leadership here at One Life, at our um, context of what we call church, um, that really tries to do that well. Um, so, yeah. So this morning we leave it. We, we hope the goal is not that you would sit there on your couch and be like, now I know all the reasons why we need to meet as the church, right? Like these are some things through this part of Jesus's teaching that, that we came up with and, and wanted to share. Um, but Matt started, started us off last year with looking at what is the church. And that was the first installment. And this year we've come back with this 2.0. And I think we're setting ourselves up for a trilogy, right? Like come back next year. Um, because this is something that we have to keep. It, we're never going to get all the answers. And that's part of what it means to be the church is keep talking about what's the importance of coming together and how do we follow Jesus better in healthier, more holistic ways. Um, so, so this is the, the final installment of this one and also a preview uh, to stick around because this conversation is going to happen again. And we want it to happen throughout the year um, on patios, at beaches, in splash pads, uh, at restaurants, like this is something that we hope can be a marker of our community that we are asking questions and trying to encourage each other and following Jesus in the most authentic.